Welcome to another episode of the Between Two Dibs podcast with your boy Cam. This is episode 10. All right. Hopefully everyone's doing well. Hopefully everyone's doing good. You know, I don't know how long we're going to be locked down for, but, you know, hopefully y'all tune in. Hopefully I'll give you a little bit of enjoyment. Um, But right now we got my boy Martel Martellus. He's here. He's going to be talking about tech sales. Uh, I'm going to learn a lot because I really, honestly, this is probably one of the first guests I've had where I really don't know much about the topic, but I thought his story was real interesting. And I thought it's something that I think that, shoot, like I'm in, I've been in sales before, so I know what hard sales is. He'd probably be able to, you know, educate a lot of y'all on kind of what you can do if you're thinking about getting to that particular industry. So, uh, yeah, what's going on with you, man? I'm doing well, Cam. I'm doing well. I'm I'm glad that, you know, you brought me onto this podcast. I'm excited to talk, you know, a little bit more about, you know, the tech space and specifically sales and, you know, how how more minorities can break into that space and, and do well. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell me more about your story, like how you got into like tech in general? Like like how that come about? Yeah, so it's interesting because I can back it up to even in high school. I was I was always super interested in tech. I wanted an engineering degree in college, but I actually ended up going to a business school like because I played basketball and a lot of the schools that were, you know, offering me whether scholarships, not not athletic specifically, but even academic, there were a lot of engineering schools. But athletic wise, I, I had a lot of looks from bigger, more liberal arts schools that focused a lot on business and NYU and Babson were the, the top two in my my choice. And I picked Babson just because of, you know, its name and it's it's one of the number one, it's actually the number one entrepreneurship school in the entire country. People fly out all across the world to come to this school and you know it was a great opportunity and that's kind of what got me into the business side. But I always had that interest of tech. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that kind of shifted my mindset was honestly trying to start different entrepreneurial ventures. I know I had one where I wanted to build an app that connected students and students who wanted to be trainers and students who were looking for trainers together. Unfortunately, that didn't go too well, but that sparked my interest in tech and started diving into blockchain when it, when it was getting bigger and now, that's kind of where my interest in tech really started. That's awesome. So did you ever invest in any Bitcoin or anything when Bitcoin was like at that sky high point, like last year, oh, I think man. it was? Yeah. So 2017 is actually when I started. I started in late June, early July. So this is when Bitcoin was just starting to rise up. I remember I, I put as much money as I possibly could, which wasn't a ton at the time. But to me, it was a lot. It was a risk. And I made a couple of thousand percent returns on on what I had. So I saw a huge jump, but I also felt the downturn as well in January when everything dropped. So I kind of was through a good cycle of Bitcoin wave for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, man. I like I, I got cocky because uh, like I really invest in Bitcoin because I was like, man, I'm not gonna mess with it because it's already like so high. Like, but I saw it like. Last year, I think it was a lot of alts. Like, if you kind of, like, were checking out the alts, like, thought of, like, the small, like, exchanges that they had, like, I made, like, I, I, like you said, like, thousands of dollars in returns and stuff. Like, it was crazy. Man, mm-hmm. like, I should have took my money out when I saw everything was, was way, way up. But mm-hmm. I got cocky and was like, okay, I, I want to go up a little bit higher. And then I lost, like, almost everything. Like, kind of yeah. like how the market is right now with, like, stocks. Like, it's kind of like the same thing. Like, I was real cocky. I thought I could, you know, make extra money and, and it, it kind of burned me. Yeah. But I think that, do you think blockchain, you think we're like five to 10 years away or do you think that it's going to be a lot, especially with this climate we're in right now, you think that everything's going to kind of speed up a little bit? 
So it's it's interesting, right? Like I again, I, I didn't really live through the depression period. Obviously, I'm still young, but I do know that certain scenarios like this occur a lot of the times tides shift, right? So we go from, you know, love and paper money and everybody wants cash and now it's digital, right? And you know, even Congress is talking about pushing digital currency out just to just to switch things up. And you know, I think this is where blockchain is is honestly going to shine as long as the technical kinks get get sorted out because I think that's the biggest issue for why blockchain isn't scalable right now or even applicable to to use cases just because the tech itself is still new and there's a lot of kinks that need to be kind of like smoothed out before things become better in terms of blockchain for sure and the uses of it sure for sure and kind of to go to gonna keep going with tech but like more so like what your background is right now so yeah did you ever do any sales jobs before you got into tech sales like what type of jobs did you do yeah. So it's it's very interesting. So just to give you some backstory, like I hated sales. When I tell you like I anybody who told me, oh, Martel, you're really good at sales and that, I'd be like, man, that's the worst thing I could ever be good at. Like in my head, it was just like one of those things where it's like, ah, used car salesman, this and that, like, like not something that's very, you know, looked up to, you know, I, I went to a business school. So it was consulting, investment banking. Those were like the the top tier things that everybody was reaching for, even myself. But I found myself in multiple sales roles, even in my, so at Babson, we do something our freshman year, which is called uh, Foundations of Management Entrepreneurship, where we start businesses, like as, as groups, as student groups. And my number one role in that group was sales, right? So like I was, I was running sales for them and I was doing really well. I was I was getting a lot of people to buy a product that we had. It was it was called Pillow Talk. It's long story, but it was a pillow that had speakers in it. We were selling it to like yoga studios, students. So that was my first like real interaction with sales. Before that, I did Cutco, so I was selling knives. So I did the direct sales just because I wanted to make more money. I was a personal trainer, which is why I'm really into fitness. If you guys know me, like that's something that I, I, I definitely focus on. And being a trainer, you have to sell memberships. You have to sell your training services. So in a roundabout weird way, I've, I've kind of been in sales a majority of my life, really. Even before in eighth grade, I was selling candy. Like my parents would buy candy in bulk at Sam's Club and I would just sell them to, to students. For yep, I did that too. I got them. Yep. So it was it's weird. Like I, I never expected myself to go into a profession like sales, but it kind of came to me. So dove in. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, like I used to sell uh Kirby vacuums. I don't know if you've heard of Kirby at all. Uh the Kirby nah. company. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. So like it was door-to-door sales, which is like kind of I think Cutco, I think you said you did that. I think that's probably the closest thing. I don't know if you did door to door with that, but yeah, I, did. I know, yeah, it's the toughest business. Like I think. I always tell people when I, when I talk to them, if you can just do direct sales, even for a, a month, you'll probably learn more in that month about people than you'll ever learn doing any other job because you kind of can read the room. You can kind of read like what they're not saying. Cause a lot of times like they'll tell you what they mean without telling you. So like you'll hear them say, say for instance, like, you know, you got someone that's telling you, Oh, okay. Like, you know, you're a good salesman, but depending on what the tone or how they say it, you kind of know where they're really going, you know, instead of someone that maybe will buy your product. And you'll usually know, like, like usually I got so good at it that I would know in the first five minutes if they're going to buy my product or not. Because usually after that point, like, it's kind of like kick you out of the house pretty much. I don't, I don't know, like, how the appointments go with Cutco. But I definitely think that it kind of set me up to do things 
that I never thought I would do, like, before I did that job. Because, like, I, I know before I did that job, like, I was kind of scared to talk to people. I didn't like, and it's crazy I have a podcast, I'm talking to people. But mm-hmm. you, you would never believe it. Like, it's so, yeah. I, I think everybody should at least do that. Um, and I think, same thing with you. I think, you know, all the sales jobs you probably had, I think that it's kind of helped you get to your, the point that you're at right now. Like, you never thought that you would ever do this probably before. And you probably was like, oh, man, I don't want to be a slimy salesman. You know, like, you know, you exactly. go to car, car dealerships, you got those people that try to sell you a car. They try mm-hmm. to, you know, sell to the highest price that they can sell it to you. And you're like, and then they go in the back and they tell you, oh, let me talk to my manager real quick. Well, you know, for a fact, they're not talking to nobody. They're just trying to negotiate, you know, what they can, mm-hmm. what they can and can't give you pretty much. It's all an act. I mean, yeah, that 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 goes to my other thing is like with that, I, I was introduced to more complex sales kind of roles towards the end of my senior year. I think one of my professors, I was telling him like, because I, I always wanted to be like a real entrepreneur and start businesses and maybe eventually become a CEO. And I was like, what is the like first job that I should get? And and he was like, you need to, and mind you, he's an angel investor. So he's managed a lot of different companies. He's he's funded a lot of them. So he he has a great understanding of the space. And he was like, dude, you need to get into like sales, period. And I was like, man, are you serious? I got to go into sales? Like, <laughs> I just said I didn't want to go into sales. And now this guy who's very reputable is telling me, man, like you need to go into sales. It's a very lucrative career. And you can make a lot out of it, especially if you become really good at it, because it translates to literally every part of life. That's true. That's very true. So what got you into tech sales? Like for people back at home that are listening back home, like what is that? Like um, Mm -hmm. if you can maybe give like a good explanation on it. Yeah, I'll try my best. But so tech sales is so there are a lot of different types of technology, right? But the most lucrative that I've researched is software sales. And the reason why is because it's a very complicated sale. A lot of companies, it's business to business. It's not business to consumer. Business to consumer is more so door-to-door sales, which is direct sales, or you know the sales where you see people setting up booths and selling, whether it's different bars or or anything that's a consumer good but this is more so b2b so you're selling so, like enterprise grade software to major corporations and you're doing that at scale so you could be contracts range from like 50k to like 5 million dollars because companies just are looking for new software to put into their environments and and make their experiences a lot better so that's kind of what tech sales is in a nutshell. Yeah. And what could someone do if they were just starting out? Like, how could they get into that particular business? Yeah. So to start out, you you know, the, the thing that people, a, a lot of people, especially myself, I always want to jump the gun and go straight to like the, where the, the glitz and the glamour is, where, you know, you're flying out, you're, you're running deals, you're, you're doing all these presentations, but it's very important to go into inside sales to start or business development. The reason why is because that teaches you like lead generation, which uh, for people who don't know, that's the heart and soul of any business. That's where, you know, you, you get as many qualified leads as possible, people who are interested in your product and you put them into the sales funnel and, and you're pushing them through the sales cycle so that you can eventually make that sale. So business development is the start that I think anybody who's going into sales will have to do. And the goal is to actually do it as fast as possible, you know, learn as much as you can and exceed to that field sales position within tech sales. 
And if people have never like had a sales job, because I know there's probably someone that's going to ask this question, was mm-hmm. there any particular resources or anything you would recommend they do before they jump into something like this? Yeah. So, I mean, I would definitely go online, just type in tech sales on Google, and I promise you, you'll see a bunch of different articles about it. I think with the interesting thing about it is that you don't need to be overly prepared to get into it. It's something that is more so you taking the the opportunity. And there are so many different sales opportunities out there. I mean, I couldn't even tell you online, people are hiring salespeople all the time, especially in tech, because people just need their products off the shelves. But just getting in there and just soaking up as much information as possible from the company. I mean, if you pick the right company, they will, especially the company I'm in right now, they taught me a lot of the things that I needed to know on the job and even before I started. So you don't need to necessarily do heavy research on it. I mean, if you want to, sure. But it's more so just getting out there and actually doing the grunt work in the beginning. Nice, nice. It's pretty interesting you're you're talking about this because I know there's a lot of industries out there where you have to like do a lot of research or it's almost like you have to spend just as much time as you would taking a college class just to like Mm -hmm. get the skills enough to like do the job. Like, and I feel like this is something based on what you're telling me that you you don't, yeah, you can jump right in. You you know, like, you know, just like, you know, you're trying to learn how to swim, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of one of those type of things where you probably won't be great right away, but you'll at least make some money. Yeah, you you don't need a certification. You know, the biggest thing that you really need is just a sense of of understanding people and being able to communicate and, and speak in a way that people can understand. And I think if you have those skills or even just like an inkling of those skills, you can do really well because, I mean, you'll learn the product, you'll learn, you know, the ins and outs of the actual sales cycle while you're working there, I mean, the sales reps that you're going to be working under as a business development rep at the time, like you're going to learn how they conduct sales, how, you know, their failures and and the different complexities of selling technology. Yeah. And like, I know you're doing this right now, but is there any particular goals you have for yourself? Like maybe within the next year or two? Yeah. I mean, within the next year, I definitely want to go into more so an executive role. So like an account executive or sales executive, that's my biggest goal. Mind you, I just graduated not too long ago. So I'm at a pretty good point in my career in terms of where I'm at. So it's just getting to a point where I'm going to be in that that executive role and, and, you know, close the deals, be the headhunter and make a lot more money. And like, I know this is something you probably already thought about this already. I know you said you, you're a trainer and stuff. Do you, have you thought about like maybe implementing something or maybe reaching out to someone that has software like for trainers and then try to position it that way? Yeah, I've, I've thought about that too. I think there's a big opportunity, especially now with everything with the coronavirus and, you know, gyms closing down, things moving digital. There's going to be a huge demand for technology in fitness. So that is definitely an avenue that I could look into. But again, I'm, I've am i always been kind of interested in IT and just how companies are using that. But I mean, if that, if that means me selling management software to Equinox, then great, I can do that. But it's all about the opportunity. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think this is probably the best opportunity that people are ever going to have. Like, obviously, like, you know, like you got to take care of yourself first. Like, you know, uh, like I always tell people, if you can take care of yourself and still make it get another skill out of the deal. I think this will be like where we'll see more millionaires out of this whole situation than we've ever seen before. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, cause I know some people like, uh, like that's why I try to stop watching news. Cause some people are saying, 
man, you know, we're going to be in depression, this, that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We're like, this is a, a tough time for a lot of people, a lot of Americans. Like, it's tough for everybody. Everyone's losing either jobs, they're losing work because, you know, people are on contracts. But as long as we just kind of just, you know, stay put, stay safe, and we don't like go out, by the time the summer rolls around, you know, at worst the fall, like every, everything will be fine and we'll all be making a lot of money. So that's what I always tell people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way as I do about that, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're pretty much correct. Like you definitely have to look at things in a more optimistic way. I know the news likes to, likes to get people riled up and say, hey, like we're, we're, like you said, going into a huge depression. And honestly, let's say we do. There have been so many opportunities coming out of a depression even just me, because I always look at history. Like when I was researching this, like it's crazy. The amount of opportunities that come out of recessions, depressions, like that's when things start going back up. So, I mean, the cycle, the way that the the financial system works, like these cycles just have to happen. So it's just a matter of just being mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared for anything, which is why, you know, it's it's always important to to make sure you get your mental health right, your financial health, you know, make sure that you understand you know, you have financial literacy, you understand how to save, you understand how to invest and just try to try to stay afloat during times like this. Because once you stay afloat, thriving will be no a no brainer and no question once a lot of this stuff blows over, like you said. Yeah, right on the money with that, staying afloat. I, I think that's the name of the game. If you do that, yeah, like you said, like, you know, sky's the limit. And I think people will be fine because, I mean, we'd probably get that check, that $1,200 check. As long as people don't just completely blow that check, like when they get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everything worked out. That's something I'm worried about. Like more about people getting these checks and, you know, instead of like, you know, allocating to wherever they need to allocate it, you know, maybe they got to talk to whoever they owe rent to, mm-hmm. whatever, where that may be, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's important because you want to have that safety net in case it does get worse. Mm-hmm. That's why like me personally, I'm going to have half of the go towards bills, whatever the other half I'll, I'll set aside. Mm-hmm. So like, I, so I'll be good no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, because you just never know, like, you know, like stuff, the virus can mutate, who knows, you know, hopefully that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I think just having that risk mitigation, I think is, is key in a time like this. For sure. I mean, even the way I'm thinking about it, like, I don't have a, a serious need for the money that they're giving right now. But what I can do is just save it and act like I never got it and just keep it there, you know, because like I said, you got to have a safety net because you never know when things will turn ugly and you you have to have that safety net to to keep you moving. I know a lot of people are struggling now because, you know, they just didn't anticipate this and they weren't saving and they were just kind of blowing their money through. And now it's it's getting to a point where like, you know, you might have to tap into those savings after a little bit because things are getting rough. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. uh, Like I said, it's been cool talking to you for sure. Like you definitely, I'm sure definitely going to be people that are going to be reaching out to you. Like I said, I'm going to be sharing all my socials, all my, my, my platforms. I got YouTube, Spotify, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be everywhere. So if people don't know about you, they're going to know about you after this. Anything you want to plug before we uh, let you go? Yeah. Just follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. My Instagram is at Martel. I'm literally my first name. Crazy how I got my own first name on social media, but, you know, I'm pretty happy to have it. Yeah, just follow me on there. There's a lot of fitness advice for people who are looking to get in shape. Um, that's always important, even for sales. Like, if you're if you're physically in shape, you're going to be a better presenter. You're going to be more confident. I think it just flows through your entire life. So I try to keep that as a first, kind of like a forefront. Twitter, I'm going to start posting a lot of 
just kind of just tidbits on tech sales, understanding, you know, how to break into it, different websites to go on to, how to analyze them, how to find the right tech company. I know we couldn't cover it, you know, today, but a lot of that's going to be on my Twitter. So as long as you, you know, you follow me, you'll definitely get that information. All right, cool. I, I appreciate it. You know, like I said, you know, follow this dude. You know, if, if y'all watching this episode later, like I said, y'all stay safe. And I'll see you next week where I have another great guest. Until then, see you later. Peace. Cam, thank you so much. Have a good one.